Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators and super duper dudes, Jonathan Stevenson and Luke Barmer Kemp, about what comics they would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month or £30 a year, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics, Shift, Brawler, and even specials of Pat Mills's Space Warp. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Jonathan Stevenson and Luke Barmer-Kemp. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, very good, thanks. Excellent. Um, pleasure to have you here on what's, what's a lovely summer's evening after probably about 10 days of grim weather. Um, I don't know how it's been where you've been, um, but yeah, it's been pretty pretty grim where I've been. <laughs> I, I've been enjoying the rain, to be honest. We had a few good days <laughs> and I was laid up with hay fever constantly, just a streaming mess. So oh, I, no. I enjoyed the rain. Yeah. Yeah, uh, same thing. I, we have very little airflow in our house, so it was uh, nice to get a bit of a break from that and get some rain. Nice, nice, <laughs> tidy. Yeah, and it's good for the grass, certainly. Because um, exactly. uh, I'm, I'm currently in my conservatory looking at my back garden and the lawn is well overgrown now that it's had like a load of rain and some sun it's like a combination for creating a jungle but uh, (laughs) that's the way it goes (laughs) but anyway um, thank you both for being here today it's a real pleasure and it's always a pleasure to to have a dynamic duo on the uh, on the show um but uh, for for anybody that hasn't come across either of you um what do you both do in the world of comics um so uh, i'm jonathan and uh, i in 2017 i became um an editor at titan comics um and whilst i was there we we created uh, the statics press imprint which was um it's a translated titles imprint and i i oversaw that um and i also was the editor on doctor who and tank girl uh wolfenstein uh, a few other things um and then since i've left there i've been uh, editing freelance I'm currently working with humanoids um and then since 2014 i've also been uh been writing uh strips for small press comics uh like future quake in the uk and its sister publication something wicked um and luke and i also did uh, uh the corbin comic by self-made hero we contributed to that um and now we've just written uh, a series called the disco noughts that um we're trying to get kickstarted fantastic and then how about you luke i i'm luke um yeah i'm i'm an artist uh for the disco noughts that's probably my most notable thing to date i uh, actually met jonathan when i was a an art intern at titan comics um and if you have some old old comics from about 20 2017 time i think maybe then you'll see my name in with some art corrections and some editorial stuff for that so that's that's fun um other than that i kind of 
Moonlight as a as an architectural visualizer as well. So my main job is outside of comics, and I'm trying to to break in. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, before we get into the delight that is Disco Noughts, uh, where can people find you online? Oh, this is the bit we're rubbish at. <laughs> there is a disco noughts twitter account called at the disco noughts and uh, you you'll find both of our personal twitter accounts in the bio of, for that perfect and of course folks uh, all of the all of their links are in the show notes so you can just click through and uh, and check out their work as we're talking um and definitely check out disco noughts um it's it's a load of fun um thanks for the for the pre preview jonathan um really really good um to see it uh, and read it um and uh yeah i i just want to know before we get we get into our apocalypse um where did the idea come from well for the start i'm glad you said load of fun because i was wondering how that sentence was going to end (laughs) (laughs) this took a turn oh my gosh (laughs) um so it was it, it originally began with me trying to come up with an idea out of my comfort zone i'd i'd been writing short strips you know between 1 and 5 pages for a little while and uh it, it wasn't supposed to be a, a series or even a full issue i just i wanted to come up with something that was a bit different and and kind of stretch myself a little bit um and i don't know well, I don't know why. Maybe I was listening to a, a disco song or something at the time. Um, and it's, yeah, it sort of evolved into this thing that's a, it's a kind of a bit of a mashup of um, uh, like animated shows we grew up with in the like 80s and 90s. Um, and a lot of like 70s fashion and uh, speech and things like that. And then there's the, the A team is definitely thrown in the mix somewhere as well. Um, so I guess there's, yeah, there's a whole load of influences that were whirling around my head at the time that all spewed out into disco notes. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, for you, Luke, um, did you have any inspirations for, for, for the arts? Uh, so my inspirations really uh, kind of try, I tried to keep it, as, as as Jonathan wanted it, it was a, kind of a love letter to the cartoons we watched as growing up. So I wanted to try and I didn't want to imitate that because I think that's a bit that's not within my style. But I wanted to to add a little nod to it, so bright colours, cool characters, interesting like poses, expressions, all that kind of stuff. And that's and that's where it came for me really. Um, and uh, one of my biggest things is I, is I actually built up a disco playlist to do as I draw. I like to listen to music as I draw, and I had a disco playlist and like Rasputin on there, you know, Boogie Wonderland, all these things, and it nice. really helped just get that feel. It kind of, of almost uh, brought the comic to life before I'd even put pen to paper. Nice, like really getting you in the mood, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can, I can feel that kind of coming through, definitely. Um, and uh, for for everybody um that hasn't seen it yet go go to kickstarter search for disco noughts and it will it will come up right there and you can check out the campaign and uh, if it's your cup of tea make sure you back it um because when this goes uh live there'll only be a few days left so um act now rather than later um now um all of that aside unfortunately i got some bad news for you guys 
And that is, unfortunately, there's been an outbreak of zombies. Now, um, we've been we've been through the the ring of this past year, but it's just getting worse, essentially. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, my my first question for you both is is what is your action plan for survival? I weirdly thought about this quite a lot <laughs> we even um, excellent at, at titan we had um apocalypse buddies when when you started you would pair up with someone and in the event of an apocalypse you, you were a pair and you, you you would fight it out together nice and um, i've always kind of thought living in london that the river would be the best place to head for I, i'm assuming these zombies can't swim yes yeah yeah <laughs> or, definitely but I, I've always kind of assumed, oh, I just go to the river and jump on a boat. In practice, I'm not sure where this boat is or how I get on it. <laughs> but I've always assumed the river. You, you just need to get to the river. And it, it's the only time I've um, I've ever kind of wished that we had uh, gun laws as lax as America because, you know, I'm going out with yeah. maybe at best a cricket bat. <laughs> excellent uh, how about you luke so I've, I've given this a little bit of thought as well and it, for me it's just it's the perfect time for me to escape so i would go up into the mountains somewhere probably dry probably find my way trying to get my way to scotland up in the highlands some remote place i think cities are where they're all going to be huddled right that's where i think the, the kind of nesting grounds are going to be so if we can get as far away from that as possible take my family and do that and just kind of live off grid do forage and all that kind of stuff that would be that would be my plan kind of under the radar yeah and then for you jonathan would you would you have a destination in mind kind of once you've got on the boat you you've you've managed to get it started and you know you're you're able to actually you know sail the boat um up or down the river um have you have you got an idea of where you'd actually go i think i i think um follow the thames out to the coast and then yeah, I don't know. Try and try and get somewhere less populated, especially I suppose if you went if I went north, um, you know, assuming there's enough petrol on this boat. If I went north <laughs> for long enough, there are loads of like unpopulated Scottish islands where I could I could at least take a breather and be safe for a bit, even if I didn't have um, supplies. It's somewhere to sort of sit back and think and take stock and decide what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, probably not the best place to be in terms of gathering supplies because there's no one there. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? But uh, what what I think has happened is that uh, you've both managed to go your separate ways, but you've actually ended up in the same place on the on the Isle of Skye. Um, up up in Scotland, uh, just by pure coincidence, and there happens to be a nice little house in the man- middle of nowhere that's fully stocked for a year ahead. Um, so all of, all of the loved ones that you wanted to take with you are there as well. So and you're all sorted. It's kind of like you know the the program that Ben Fogel was originally on. Yes. What was it? What was it called again? Um, Castaway. Oh. Yeah, it was that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, basically kind of like that. 
I think. Um, and uh, yeah, you're kind of all, all safe and away from any any of the the troubles of the zombie outbreak. Um, and uh, one night, uh, the conversation of comics comes up, um, and uh, the the first question that's asked for for both of you because everybody's really interested. They're not really into comics. Or anything, uh, but the first question they ask you is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" And, and let's start off with Luke on that one. Okay, so I, I came I came into the comics relatively late, um, so about 2013. And if I remember correctly, that was around the time the, the, the New Fifty Two was kicking off with DC. And one thing that really stuck out with me, and the first comic I remember really enjoying, um, was the Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder uh, Batman stuff. That was that was just unbelievable. The art, the story, but I think the biggest one for me was the Joker storyline, the death of the family, um, and th- those ones because they really just took that that Joker and Batman duality and just flipped it, and I thought that was amazing. Nice. And and how did how did you actually get into comics? Um, as you, as you only got into it in two thousand thirteen. Did did you just see it in a shop or? No. So I I worked with. Um, I worked at um, a marketing place and I, a friend of mine, Charlie, who I worked with, he, he was really into his comics. He was mainly a DC, a DC fan. Um, and he kind of taught me all about the, the classic Batman's so like year one, the Frank Miller, the Dark Knight stuff. And he lent me a couple. And then I went out and kind of researched from there what ones I should, I should uh, read. And it kind of just expanded. And then I realized that actually really, I like the artwork. I like the, the pacing, the storytelling, all that kind of stuff. And I wondered if I could do it. And, and the kind of that's where it really stemmed from. So, yeah, nice. That's awesome. And how about you, Jonathan? Uh, the, the the first comics I read were the Beano and Dandy. Um, my, my nan used to uh, come to visit us every Saturday, and she would bring me my Beano and Dandy, and I, mm-hmm. I would sit and read them both that day, and then throughout the week as well. Um, I. I slightly favored the Beano because I just felt some of the characters were better. I kind of liked that it had more um, mischievousness than the dandy. So you had the Bass Street Kids and Dennis the Menace and Roger the Dodger. Um, They just seemed to, yeah, be a bit more mischievous and up to stuff they shouldn't be. Nice. Um, And uh, for for, for you from there, so I I assume you're, you're quite young. Um, reading uh, 24. this. Twenty-four. No, yeah, twenty-four. I'm, yeah, really young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally excellent. Um, and uh, at that point, were you, you know, creating your own comics at all? No, I, I, I was. I think I was writing by then. I, I, I was writing from a very young age. Mm. Um, but I didn't start writing comics until, um, probably about when Luke was getting into them, about 2013, 2012, something like that, um, which is when I started getting into um, American comics because I'd done the kind of kid stuff here, the Beano and Dandy, and then I'd progressed as I got a bit older to Asterix and Tintin. And then I, I kind of didn't really read comics that much um, uh, until I saw um, a documentary called Finding, I think it was called Finding Ditko, uh, by Jonathan Ross, and mm-hmm. it was basically his love letter to Steve Ditko, whilst yeah. he was also 
trying desperately to meet the man himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just... I think that's available on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it, I think. It's, it's <laughs> such a good documentary. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't so much... I mean, a part of it was seeing Ditko's artwork. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was just the passion that Jonathan Ross clearly had for comics. And it, it just made me think I was I was missing out on something. So I, I think I went to Forbidden Planet the very next day and I picked up just some random like grab bags um, and a couple of issues of Spider-Man. Uh, it was Straczynski's run at the time. It was the Back in Black arc. Um, and that, that was it. Then I kind of started doing research and figuring out what books I need to buy, um, you know, to, to, you know, where I should start my collection from. Um, and yeah, that was it. It went from there. Amazing. And then how did the, um, your role at Titan come about? Uh, that was a, a trip to Forbidden Planet because it had become my favorite shop. If I was in central London or wherever, I'd always uh, pop in and get some comics. Mm. Um, one day they had a, a sign on the door asking for a temporary Christmas staff. So I applied and got it. And I didn't leave at Christmas and was there just over a year. <laughs> um, and Titan Comics or Titan Entertainment Group, which owns Titan Comics, also owns Forbidden Planet. Uh, so they used to post um, vacancies in the store so that we could apply as internal applicants. And an assistant editor job came up at Titan Comics and I went for it. Uh, I, I kind of knew you know, roughly about the industry, but I, I also taught myself to letter a bit, which is something they, you know, that came in useful for that job. And I just started to try and get a group of friends together to uh, start a little anthology. So I was editing that um, at the time and I'd written stuff for comics as well. So I felt like I was in, you know, with a, a pretty good shot of getting it considering it was an entry level position um, and yeah, I did. That's fantastic. That's that's what it's all about, kind of, you know, getting yourself in the right place so that when the right time comes along, then you're kind of prepared for that opportunity. And it uh, sounds like you, you, you grab the ball by the horns. So, um, you know, bully for you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really that. It was just a string of coincidences. The, the fact that... Um, yeah. I happened to go to FP on that day. The fact that the person I was with saw the advert on the door for staff, it wasn't me. And then, yeah, as it turned out, they owned Titan Comics. And, yeah, it was all just just coincidence. Nice, nice. Um, and a little bit of hard work as well, I'm sure. Um, uh, and kind of, you know, actually uh, being able to, uh, you know, string, string a sentence or two together so that you could actually be successful through the interview as well. I, I'm not sure I, I struck any sentences together. Their biggest note from my first interview was very nervous. <laughs> I, I think it almost lost me the job. But by the time it came to the second interview, I'd I'd kind of chilled out a little bit. Nice. Excellent. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, now, uh, heading back to our, our castaway cottage, um, the next question that comes up, um, is what's the funniest comic you've read? Um, and let's start off with uh, yeah, you, Jonathan. I, I 
I struggle to think when I'm asked, you know, what's what specific comic fills this criteria. But uh, I think funniest for me would probably have to be Shirtless Bear Fighter. Um, <laughs> it came out a few years ago uh, by Image. I, it was just ridiculous, but in yeah. all the best ways. It was mm-hmm. it was such beautiful nonsense. Um, and I, I think I think that kind of played a part in Disco Nauts because before that, I'm, I'm not sure I would have thought that a comedy comic could work because I, I I didn't remember really seeing many kind of outright comedic comics. Um, but yeah, that was it's just beautiful nonsense um i i adore that book i've read it f- read it through a few times um it, yeah just just silly totally it's, a, it's it's fantastic and it's it's come up on the pod a fair a fair few times so um yeah you, you're definitely um on the same wavelength there um and for you luke for me um it was it was sex criminals um another image comics one as well i think Great. again again with with that with Jonathan, it was the first time I'd come across humour like that um, used in a comic because most of the stuff, most of my backlog and reading backlog was always quite dark and gritty. It was a 90s, you know, 80s, 90s Batman where things were starting to get a bit dark and it was just a complete change of pace. And I enjoyed the art. I thought that was funny, but just the whole premise and the gags and everything like that was just, I don't know, it was different. And I, I like that. And, and it was it was something that didn't take itself too seriously, which, again, like Jonathan said, I think reflects in in the way that we've done Disco Nauts. That's awesome. Yeah, no, no another great example um, of, a, of a funny, of a humorous comic done well. Um, again, come up a, a, a few times on the pod. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's great, great to see that come up again. Uh, now, uh, changing gears a little bit around the campfire, um, the next question that comes up is what's the saddest comic that you've read and let's start off with luke for that one so i really struggled with this one um and i've kind of picked a moment i guess and it was more because more because of the shock of it because it was early doors and it was something i was i was reading and it was when robin was uh beat to death by the joker in death in the family um i don't know if you remember that that arc but that was really really just i didn't expect it i didn't want it to happen it just did, and I think that for me is what it kind of stuck with me. Yeah, and it's well, it's quite a, a shocking image, isn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. with, uh, with with Batman holding Robin in his arms, and it's yeah. like, oh, that, that doesn't <laughs> look fun. Um, yeah, no, that's a that's a yeah, absolutely classic. Um, and how about you, Jonathan? Um, yeah, I really struggled with this one as well because um, I, yeah. you know, definitely read a lot of comics with sad moments in, but I, I, I can't really say that any of them have ever, you know, massively um, affected me, um, which is, is odd because I am, you know, you, I'm, I'll cry at the drop of a hat, um, which is, <laughs> which is why I've never read mouse because I know I will cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I do. I do always kind of feel when I read um, Watchmen, I kind of feel for uh, Dr. Manhattan when he takes himself off to um, the moon just to be alone and away from all living things. Um, that that kind <laughs> of touches me. And also I can, I can sympathise with that. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, that's a that's a fair point. It's funny how kind of when you can empathize it kind of makes you sad as well um just because i guess you can understand the the full veracity of the situation and obviously dr manhattan's in quite a predicament (laughs) he knows he knows everything that's going on at the same time and obviously he needs to get a bit of a a bit of space (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely um but no yeah I, I, i get where you're coming from there for sure uh now uh changing gears once again, um, what's the scariest comic that you've read? And, and let's start off with you, Jonathan. So <laughs> I haven't quite gone for scary. Um, I've gone for horrifying, um, which right. is the same ballpark. Um, and it was the, the, the first volume of Crossed by Garth Ennis. Um, I'd, I'd heard a bit about the series and he, actually, when I was working at FP, a quite well-known film director came in asking for volume one. Um, and we all wondered if he was about to about to make a film of it. Uh, so I think I read it after that. And wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think I needed some therapy after reading that. It was it, <laughs> it, it genuinely is horrific. And some of the there, there, there's one particularly quite famous scene that I probably can't even describe on here. Um, but yeah, it involves a family and their fate at the hands of, of the crossed. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still not kind of sure if, if Ennis was trying to say something with it or just trying to be as, as gory and brutal as possible. Um, but I, I actually did stick with it for another couple of volumes before I, before I ducked out um, and I, I was speaking, um, I think it was Cy Spurrier came in for a signing once and he had written the the webcomic. It was up online for free. I think it's called Wish You Were Here, Crossed Wish You Were Here. Um, and I asked him if he intended to write anymore and he, <laughs> going through that process of writing for that series seemed to have really kind of got to him. And I, I don't think he was that keen to go back to that place. <laughs> yeah, it probably uh, caused a few emotional scars, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You'd need a few to, I think, see that series f- through writing or reading it. Definitely. Um, and how about you, Luke? Uh, for me, horror hits me in a different way because I always find that Music adds a big thing, big element 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 for me for mm. uh, for for horror. But I think I would say creepiest one of the creepiest moments is uh, when I read Preacher for the first time, and it was his grandma when he first when he first meet her. Just her whole demeanor, the way she's portrayed, that her her lackeys, all that kind of stuff. Just that was really creepy and I, I went to a degree I would say very horrifying for me to, and to come across that so early on in my comics career was was quite something it's definitely no it's definitely not crossed material but it's still, it's still up there for me <laughs> still creepy yeah. yeah anything that kind of makes your your hair stand on ends definitely exactly nah but uh, yeah no well, obviously Garth Ennis is, uh, has nailed it um, for both of you <laughs> so that's awesome uh, now um, we come on to one of my favorite questions and that is what is your favorite cover and uh, let's start off with you Luke so my favorite cover is going back to 
or one of my favorite covers, should I say, is going back to uh, the Capullo um, run on Batman. He did the dancing Joker where Joker's dancing with Batman's empty suit. Um, I don't know if you if you know that one, but it was just, that was just phenomenal. So simple, and it was raining as well. It was so simple and just that simplicity with like, just set the tone for the story. I thought it was awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one off the top of my head. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, I, can, I can imagine it being uh, quite quite evocative. Um, and then how about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I struggled with this. I, having worked at a comics publisher and in a comic shop, I've I must have seen thousands upon thousands of comic covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, yeah, I, I can't really pinpoint, you know, a specific favourite cover. I am a bit of a sucker for um, uh, tribute covers, like movie poster um, yeah. recreations or album recreations. There was a um, a Doctor Who one uh, where Peter Capaldi is... Um, Peter Capaldi's been drawn as if he's David Bowie on the front cover of... I think it yeah, might... Yeah, I think I remember that one. Um, that's yeah. that was really good. I, I really liked that. Um, I can't quite think who drew it. Um, also, what really popped into my head was um, I, I'm not quite sure on how you pronounce his last name. It's David Aha or David Adja. Um, his his covers on Hawkeye, uh, the Matt Fraction run, were really cool. And also, he did a cover. Um, for 2000 AD, I think it was Prog 2000, um, and it's mm. it's just it's mostly black, and dread is just monotone with with little bits of red picked out. It's it's just a really simple, cool cover. Nice, uh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's difficult to pin down, um, just even one or two, um, but uh, uh, great, great to have some notable mentions there. Um, and, and just uh, whilst you were talking, Jonathan, I, I managed to find the um, the Batman cover, Luke, and uh, I believe it's uh, issue seventeen, um, Batman. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic um, fantastic artwork, mm-hmm. and uh, as you say, it's. Um, very well as i said very evocative uh with the batman suit being empty but there's also bits of blood there as well so obviously that tells a story as well exactly yeah it was it's kind of it's an image you won't forget very quickly and it's just no. uh, just everything just the the gesture of of the way the joker is dancing and holding the suit it just is oh, no. I, I can't have enough good words to say about it <laughs> yeah and I, I hate to say it but there's something bruce forsyth about the joker in this one <laughs> um, i tell you what in his younger days like maybe like 50 or 60 i reckon he could have been a good joker bruce forsyth like a really kind of the what sorry i said i think you i think you're right there that would be, be yeah. interesting wouldn't it um, yeah. yeah, no, that would be that would be fantastic to sit to see Bruce's for uh, dark side. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> excellent. Uh, now, uh, moving on to another of my favourite questions, and that is, what is the most meaningful comic to you? And let's let's start off with you, Jonathan. Um, meaningful. Um, so yeah, I think for meaningful, it would have to be 
something that I've been involved with. I think I think those are the things that 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 mean the most to me. Um, which is you know maybe a bit of a cop out, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it would probably be the 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 small press comic I mentioned earlier, Future Quake, the 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 issue where I had my first ever strip published. Um, just because, yeah, I, like, I, I still remember exactly where I was when I opened that email to say that um, they were accepting my strip because I'd had a lot rejected before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, I'd been in touch with the editor and, you know, talked through what I was, what I was doing wrong and what I was doing right. And to, to finally get one in, um, yeah, it was a really kind of special moment. You know, it's only a, you know, a, a small press comic. It probably only sells, you know, a handful, but it, it, it means a lot to me. And um, yeah, and, and finally getting something published in there was 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 a big deal for me. So I'd, I'd probably say that. Hundred percent, man. No, that's fantastic. And um, kind of getting that first publication, it's it's amazing. Um, you kind of feel like you you're really making progress. I think, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, that was that was exactly it. I'd been writing for a long time, and I'd, you know, I'd gone through that phase of writing movie scripts and TV scripts and stuff. Mm. Um, but something kind of clicked with me when I started trying to write comics, and it, it, it seemed to, I don't know, make more sense to me to stick with that, and it was something I was really enjoying. So yeah, to finally get some recognition that you know you're not the worst at this um, <laughs> and that, that someone else uh, had seen some value to something that I'd written. Uh, yeah. It was, was a really big moment for me. Oh, that's fantastic, man. Uh, and then how about you, Luke? So this one was probably one of the easier questions for me to answer actually, because I have it with me next to me. I always have it. Uh, by some I bet it's a comic called green manor uh, by Donnie Bodart and uh, Fabian Velman. I've butchered their names and I apologize for that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a, a bunch of short stories set in Victorian London. Um, and it's just, the reason it's meaningful to me is because it was really the catalyst for me be, uh, striving for a cartoony style. I was, st- I was studying my art at this time and I was torn between whether I should be representative with my artwork and be a bit more kind of true to life, I guess, mm-hmm. or do I go down the, down the, the cartoony route and really look at character and gesture and all that kind of stuff and I read this book and just the way that it was done and the fact that you could have a cartoony style but still be quite dark and gritty um, but take away from that and make it fun and light as well it was just yeah so that's why it's meaningful to me that's fantastic and it's 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 great to kind of have that anchor isn't it that you can kind of go back to and that like that was a real kind of turning point um, for, you, for, for you as an artist um and uh yeah no just looking at it now um yeah i can i can, I can definitely see the similarities and uh it's it's great that you've you kind of you found a muse in that so mm-hmm. that's 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 great brilliant um now um going back to the cottage um the next question that comes up is uh what's the most underrated comic and let's start off with you luke so i'm not sure if it's classed as underrated, um, and it's in the same vein as Jonathan speaking earlier about the Beano and the Dandy, but it's more of a Scottish version. It's a, a set of comics called 
uh, Fur Woolly or The Brooms. It's had two different two different comics. They're very kind of in the same vein as like a Beano or a Dandy. Um, very humorous, and it's just about it kind of more the snapshot of everyday Scottish life with all the like with the with the language that's used. And um, yeah, I just think that it needs to be known more. It needs to be known more in a in a bigger audience in comics. I think. I mean, it's it's been it's a long running thing, but it's still just brilliant. That's fantastic. Is it still is it still um, being published? Yeah, so I'm I'm lucky enough to get uh, one of the collectors. I either get the Orwelly collection every year for Christmas, or I get the Bruins one, depending on it. They, they kind of switch it every year. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I'm not sure that if that I've actually come across that one before. So that's uh, that's definitely going to go on my my to read list. So thanks for making me aware of that. <laughs> no worries. Excellent. And how about you, Jonathan? Uh, for me, I think it's uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Um, it's by Matthew Rosenberg, who's now doing everything at Marvel. Um, mm. And the artist was Tyler Boss. Uh, it was on, uh, who published it? Black Mask. It was one of their first sort of handful of comics. They were one of those publishers that came out really strong and seemed like they were going to challenge Image to be the you know creator owned uh, imprint, and then it, it didn't quite it didn't quite pan out that way, or hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. But um, the first issue just grabbed me straight away. Um, Matthew Rosenberg really uh, set up all the characters well and kind of swiftly. It's straight away. There's labels over each character, so you're like, oh, okay, I know who. I know who these people are and he doesn't take a whole issue to explain that he gets straight into Mm -hmm. the story. And I, the first issue and I maybe all of the issues or certainly the first couple all open with huge action scenes, um, which are completely imagined by the, the kids that are the main characters. They, they're playing like role-playing games and we're seeing their game as if it was live action. And then it cuts back to the kids um, and he, even the the lettering um, on that comic was just really cool. It was it was stuff I hadn't quite seen before, um, and it, 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 everyone looked like they were having a lot of fun with it. Um, and I remember I was working in FP at the time, and someone came in one week, a regular, um, so he he knew his comics and he bought a lot of comics, um, and he asked for a recommendation one day. And I recommended that to him. I think it was on about issue three, maybe. And he picked up the first issue and he was back in the next day to get the other two. And he specifically sought me out and shook my hand and said, oh, mm. what a great recommendation. It's it's such a cool comic. Um, yeah, and it was just it's just a lot of fun and it's so well written and the art's just beautiful. Um, it's, it's the only comic um from which i i own a piece of original art i i bought one of the pages wow that's cool um and uh have you, have you got it uh hanging up somewhere or is it or is it safely away <laughs> yeah, it, it's usually hanging up right now i'm sort of in the process of moving so it's not but yeah usually right, yeah. It, it takes pride of place on the wall definitely um in, in an environment cased um, kind of glass case, I guess. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a, yeah, a nice frame uh, with a, a solid nail on the wall. Especially, um, you know, once I heard it had 
I'm not sure if anything's going to come of it now, but it was at one point option for a movie. And I suddenly thought, oh, that's, my page might be worth something now. Yeah, tidy. Oh, well, you never know. Uh, maybe in the future, these things take time, don't they? But uh, no, that's fantastic to get to get some original art for that. And uh, great, great that one of your recommendations um, turned out well for somebody. And uh, speaking of recommendations, uh, the next question that comes up is uh, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Um, so I, I actually had this recently. Um, yeah. I met up with a friend I haven't seen for a bit. Um, and he's probably one of the few friends I have that doesn't read comics, has never read comics. Um, so I, I don't so much have a recommendation for, uh, you know, people who haven't read comics but for this specific friend of mine um i recommended uh, the rabbit by rachel smith um just because i know him and i know he'd want a story with you know some emotional depth to it um and there that's why i picked that one um i i i love rachel's um art style it's possibly not for everybody but i i find it really fun um and really colorful and there's always a lot going on in terms of um emotions and what characters are going through um so yeah the the rabbit was was um the, the first thing that, that popped into my head when i when i when i was thinking of something for him yeah i oh, know that's that's spot on and uh, yeah no it's always a difficult question um because it kind of it always depends on the on the friend and whatnot but great that you actually had a, a real life experience to to draw upon um but uh now for for you luke um what would you recommend well if, it, if i wasn't going to say green manor because that would be cheating because everybody used that um mm. it would be black sad i just for me yeah I'm, I'm one of those people i'm like when i watch a movie i look i look at the movie for the artistic the artistic quality of it right the way it's shot all those kind of things for me i don't always get the, the story the first time around so that makes it fun because i can watch it again um so the same with black side black side for me was just so visually stunning that i had to you know to read it again to actually read the story and i would say people who like who don't really know much about comics or, or want something that's kind of different it's got anthropomorphized animals and it's just like a, a noir it's almost like an old school noir kind of story it's just yeah that, that, that was it for me nice two great uh recommendations that uh yeah i recommend everybody check out uh now coming on to our last question um and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be and uh, let's start off with you luke <laughs> that would be green manor every day it's, it's one of those i, I never get bored of um it's kind of it's, it's stayed like i said it was inside my bed all the time if I ever i get if I ever i get bored or need need some kind of inspiration it's always there for me um it's a bit like my tattered copy of to kill a mockingbird it's like a, a, one of those books i've never <laughs> got bored of so it's one of those that has a a very special place in my in my repertoire great and then how about for you jonathan well I get bored quite easily. So the thought of taking one comic, yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't entertain me for very long. So I was thinking, what's the biggest comic I can think of? What what would have the most, you know, 
reading material in it that I could I could read it th- through you know quite a bit without getting bored. So I thought of the the Sin City omnibus. I think it's called the the Big Damn Sin City. I think, and it's mm-hmm. a massive book. It's the entirety of Sin City in one huge hardback that you could build a house out of. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it would, it would probably be that just just for sheer length. I mean, it, it, they are good stories and it's a good book, but it's just it's the one book I could think of that had the most amount of content in it that would keep me entertained for longer. Definitely, that's fantastic. Uh, and then uh, along with both of these uh, books or tomes, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? I mean, ideally, I can imagine multiple uses for a machete, but I don't own one and don't know <laughs> where I could find one. So I, I, I guess, yeah, the, the biggest knife I could find, if you're thinking of it's something <laughs> that could be used as a weapon, but also for, you know, butchering animals uh, for food or even chopping food to cook with so i guess just yeah the biggest knife i could i could find is something that would be useful definitely fantastic uh, how about for you Lake? and for me it would have to be an axe um nice. partially for the same reasons as jonathan but also because where i tend to be it's cold you need a fire and an axe will help with that uh, in in great leaps sorry that yeah for me an axe because i think it's just more for the firewood than anything else. I'm not looking to kill many things, try and forage my food, but it's there if I need it. Also, you you probably have this view of yourself with your shirt off, swinging the axe around. <laughs> <laughs> like a lumberjack, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like some weird TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic um well uh jonathan stevenson and luke barmer kemp thank you both for sharing your comics with the apocalypse today it's been a real pleasure thank you so much great um and for the listeners one more time where can they find you online uh on twitter's probably the best place uh twitter at the disco noughts and then you can find both of our personal accounts in the bio from there there's also uh instagram you've got at disco noughts comic as well and then uh, all our stuff's linked to that so it's all easy peasy to find amazing and as i said before all those links are in the show notes folks so uh, go check out disco noughts and and follow jonathan and uh, and luke on all the uh, social interweb websites um but uh, yeah um apart from that um do you see yourself going to to any comic events later in the year at all uh, i've I, I booked tickets to um, Thought Bubble with no clue as to whether it would end up going ahead. But um, mm-hmm. I... oh, <laughs> Jonathan just just uh, just left us there <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> you just completely dropped. Uh, but but how about you, Luke? So I don't have any plans yet. Uh, it's one of those things where it's it's kind of a something that I should really kind of try and get onto the back of them and start attending more things. Um, but one I would love to go to is Angoulême. Um, yeah. That would be kind of, that I'd like that to be my first proper con. I've been to a few smaller ones and, and that, but I would like that to be my first big one. And you know, trying to experience something like that would be amazing. 
definitely. That's fantastic. Uh, well, um, hopefully Jonathan will, uh, will uh, join us back uh, before before, uh, <laughs> before we say goodbye properly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, it's been, as I said before, it's been an absolute pleasure, Luke. And uh, yeah, everybody go check out Disco Noughts. And uh, otherwise, I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter. Thank you very much. And, and yeah, check out Disco Noughts. It's going to be, it's a laugh riot. Let's put it that way. It's all good. It's good fun. Amazing. Thanks again, Luke. And thanks, Jonathan, wherever you are. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again to Jonathan and Luke for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out John, Jonathan's and Luke's work or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now. <laughs>